Section thirty one of the Expedition of Humphrey Clinker. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Martin Geeson. The Expedition of Humphrey Clinker by Tobias Smollett. Section thirty one to sir watkin phillips of jesus college oxford dear phillips without waiting for your answer to my last i proceed to give you an account of our journey to london which has not been wholly barren of adventure tuesday last the squire took his place in a hired coach and four accompanied by his sister and mine and mistress tabby's maid winifred jenkins whose province it was to support chowder on a cushion in her lap i could scarce refrain from laughing when i looked into the vehicle and saw that animal sitting opposite to my uncle like any other passenger the squire ashamed of his situation blushed to the eyes and calling the postilions to drive on pulled the glass up in my face i and his servant john thomas attended them on horseback nothing worth mentioning occurred till we arrived on the edge of marlborough downs there one of the four horses fell in going downhill at a round trot and the postilion behind endeavouring to stop the carriage pulled it on one side into a deep rut where it was fairly overturned i had rode on about two hundred yards before but hearing a loud scream galloped back and dismounted to give what assistance was in my power when i looked into the coach i could see nothing distinctly but the nether end of jenkins who was kicking her heels and squalling with great vociferation all of a sudden my uncle thrust up his bare pate and bolted through the window as nimble as a grasshopper having made use of poor wind's posteriors as a step to rise in his ascent the man who had likewise quitted his horse dragged this forlorn damsel more dead than alive through the same opening then mr bramble pulling the door off its hinges with a jerk laid hold on Liddy's arm, and brought her to the light, very much frighted, but little hurt. It fell to my share to deliver our Aunt Tabitha, who had lost her cap in the struggle, and being rather more than half frantic with rage and terror, was no bad representation of one of the sister furies that guard the gates of hell she expressed no sort of concern for her brother who ran about in the cold without his periwig and worked with the most astonishing agility in helping to disentangle the horses from the carriage but she cried in a tone of distraction chowder chowder my dear chowder my poor chowder is certainly killed this was not the case chowder after having tore my uncle's leg in the confusion of the fall had retreated under the seat and from thence the footman drew him by the neck for which good office he bit his fingers to the bone 
the fellow who is naturally surly was so provoked at this assault that he saluted his ribs with a hearty kick exclaiming damn the nasty son of a bitch and them he belongs to a benediction which was by no means lost upon the implacable virago his mistress her brother however prevailed upon her to retire into a peasant's house near the scene of the action where his head and hers were covered and poor jenkins had a fit our next care was to apply some sticking plaster to the wound in his leg which exhibited the impression of chowder's teeth but he never opened his lips against the delinquent mistress tabby alarmed at this scene you say nothing matt cried she but i know your mind i know the spite you have to that poor unfortunate animal i know you intend to take his life away you are mistaken upon my honour replied the squire with a sarcastic smile i should be incapable of harbouring any such cruel design against an object so amiable and inoffensive even if he had not the happiness to be your favourite john thomas was not so delicate the fellow whether really alarmed for his life or instigated by the desire of revenge came in and bluntly demanded that the dog should be put to death on the supposition that if ever he should run mad hereafter he who had been bit by him would be infected my uncle calmly argued upon the absurdity of his opinion observing that he himself was in the same predicament and would certainly take the precaution he proposed if he was not sure he ran no risk of infection nevertheless thomas continued obstinate and at length declared that if the dog was not shot immediately he himself would be his executioner this declaration opened the floodgates of tabby's eloquence which would have shamed the first-rate oratress of billingsgate the footman retorted in the same style and the squire dismissed him from his service after having prevented me from giving him a good horse-whipping for his insolence the coach being adjusted another difficulty occurred mistress tabitha absolutely refused to enter it again unless another driver could be found to take the place of the postilion who she affirmed had overturned the carriage from malice of forethought after much dispute the man resigned his place to a shabby country fellow who undertook to go as far as marlborough where they could be better provided and at that place we arrived about one o'clock without farther impediment mistress bramble however found new matter of offence which indeed she has a particular genius for extracting at will from almost every incident in life we had scarce entered the room at marlborough where we stayed to dine when she exhibited a formal complaint against the poor fellow who had superseded the postilion she said he was such a beggarly rascal that he had ne'er a shirt to his back and had the impudence to shock her sight by showing his bare posteriors for which act of indelicacy he deserved to be set in the stocks 
mistress winifred jenkins confirmed the assertion with respect to his nakedness observing at the same time that he had a skin as fair as alabaster <clears throat> this is a heinous offence indeed cried my uncle let us hear what the fellow has to say in his own vindication he was accordingly summoned and made his appearance which was equally queer and pathetic he seemed to be about twenty years of age of a middling size with bandy legs stooping shoulders high forehead sandy locks pinking eyes flat nose and long chin but his complexion was of a sickly yellow his looks denoted famine and the rags that he wore could hardly conceal what decency requires to be covered my uncle having surveyed him attentively said with an ironical expression in his countenance ain't you ashamed fellow to ride postilion without a shirt to cover your backside from the view of the ladies in the coach yes i am and please your noble honour answered the man but necessity has no law as the saying is and more than that it was an accident my breeches cracked behind after i had gotten to the saddle you're an impudent varlet cried mistress tabby for presuming to ride before persons of fashion without a shirt i am so and please your worthy ladyship said he but i am a poor wiltshire lad i han't a shirt in the world that i can call my own nor a rag of clothes and please your ladyship but what you see i have no friend nor relation upon earth to help me out i have had the fever and ague these six months and spent all i had in the world upon doctors and to keep soul and body together and saving your ladyship's good presence i han't broke bread these four-and-twenty hours mistress bramble turning from him said she had never seen such a filthy tatterdemalion and bid him be gone observing that he would fill the room full of vermin her brother darted a significant glance at her as she retired with liddy into another apartment and then asked the man if he was known to any person in marlborough when he answered that the landlord of the inn had known him from his infancy mine host was immediately called and being interrogated on the subject declared that the young fellow's name was humphrey clinker that he had been a love-begotten babe brought up in the workhouse and put out apprentice by the parish to a country blacksmith who died before the boy's time was out that he had for some time worked under his ostler as a helper and extra postilion till he was taken ill of the ague which disabled him from getting his bread that having sold or pawned everything he had in the world for his cure and subsistence he became so miserable and shabby that he disgraced the stable and was dismissed but that he never heard anything to the prejudice of his character in other respects so that the fellow being sick and destitute said my uncle you turned him out to die in the streets i pay the poor's rate replied the other and i have no right to maintain idle vagrants either in sickness or health 
besides such a miserable object would have brought a discredit upon my house you perceive said the squire turning to me our landlord is a christian of bowels who shall presume to censor the morals of the age when the very publicans exhibit such examples of humanity harkee clinker you are a most notorious offender you stand convicted of sickness hunger wretchedness and want but as it does not belong to me to punish criminals i will only take upon me the task of giving you a word of advice get a shirt with all convenient dispatch that your nakedness may not henceforward give offence to travelling gentlewomen especially maidens in years so saying he put a guinea into the hand of the poor fellow who stood staring at him in silence with his mouth wide open till the landlord pushed him out of the room in the afternoon as our aunt stepped into the coach she observed with some marks of satisfaction that the postilion who rode next to her was not a shabby wretch like the ragamuffin who had driven them into marlborough indeed the difference was very conspicuous this was a smart fellow with a narrow-brimmed hat with gold cording a cut bob a decent blue jacket leather breeches and a clean linen shirt puffed above the waistband when we arrived at the castle on spin hill where we lay this new postilion was remarkably assiduous in bringing in the loose parcels and at length displayed the individual countenance of humphrey clinker who had metamorphosed himself in this manner by relieving from pawn part of his own clothes with the money he had received from mr bramble however pleased the rest of the company were with such a favourable change in the appearance of this poor creature it soured on the stomach of mistress tabby who had not yet digested the affront of his naked skin she tossed her nose in disdain saying she supposed her brother had taken him into favour because he had insulted her with his obscenity that a fool and his money were soon parted and that if matt intended to take the fellow with him to london she would not go a foot further that way my uncle said nothing with his tongue though his looks were sufficiently expressive and next morning clinker did not appear so that we proceeded without further altercation to salt hill where we proposed to dine there the first person that came to the side of the coach and began to adjust the footboard was no other than humphrey clinker when i handed out mistress bramble she eyed him with a furious look and passed into the house my uncle was embarrassed and asked him peevishly what had brought him hither the fellow said his honour had been so good to him that he had not the heart to part with him that he would follow him to the world's end and serve him all the days of his life without fee or reward mr bramble did not know whether to chide or laugh at this declaration he foresaw much contradiction on the side of tabby and on the other hand he could not but be pleased with the gratitude of clinker as well as with the simplicity of his character 
"'Suppose I was inclined to take you into my service,' said he. "'What are your qualifications? What are you good for?' "'And please, Your Honour," answered this original, "'I can read and write, and do the business of the stable indifferent well. I can dress a horse and shoe him, and bleed and rowel him. And as for the practice of sow-gelding, I won't turn my back on e'er a he in the county of Wilts. Then I can make hogs puddings and hobnails, men kettles and tin saucepans. Here Uncle burst out a laughing, and inquired what other accomplishments he was master of. I know something of single stick and psalmody, proceeded Clinker. I can play upon the Jew's harp, sing Black Eyed Susan, Arthur O'Bradley, and divers other songs. I can dance a Welsh jig, and Nancy Dawson, wrestle a fall with any lad of my inches when I'm in heart, and under correction I can find a hare when your honour wants a bit of game. Or oh, egad, thou art a complete fellow, cried my uncle, still laughing. I have a good mind to take thee into my family. Prithee, go and try if thou canst make peace with my sister. Thou hast given her much offence by showing her thy naked tail. Clinker accordingly followed us into the room, cap in hand, where, addressing himself to Mistress Tabitha, May it please your ladyship's worship, cried he, to pardon and forgive my offences, and with God's assistance I shall take care that my tail shall never rise up in judgment against me, to offend your ladyship again. Do, pray, good, sweet, beautiful lady, take compassion on a poor sinner. God bless your noble countenance. I am sure you are too handsome and generous to bear malice. I will serve you on my bended knees by night and by day, by land and by water, and all for the love and pleasure of serving such an excellent lady. This compliment and humiliation had some effect upon Tabby but she made no reply, and Clinker, taking silence for consent, gave his attendance at dinner. The fellow's natural awkwardness and the flutter of his spirits were productive of repeated blunders in the course of his attendance. At length he spilt part of a custard upon her right shoulder, and starting back, trod upon Chowder, who set up a dismal howl. Poor Humphrey was so disconcerted at this double mistake that he dropped the china dish, which broke into a thousand pieces, then, falling down upon his knees, remained in that posture, gaping with a most ludicrous aspect of distress. Mistress Bramble flew to the dog, and, snatching him in her arms, presented him to her brother, saying, this is all a concerted scheme against this unfortunate animal, whose only crime is its regard for me. Here it is. Kill it at once, and then you'll be satisfied. Clinker, hearing these words, and taking them in the literal acceptation, got up in some hurry, and seizing a knife from the sideboard, cried, Not here, and please your ladyship, it will daub the room. Give him to me, and I'll carry him to the ditch by the roadside. To this proposal he received no other answer than a hearty box on the ear that made him stagger to the other side of the room. What? 
said she to her brother, am I to be affronted by every mangy hound that you pick up on the highway? I insist upon your sending this rascallion about his business immediately. For God's sake, sister, compose yourself, said my uncle, and consider that the poor fellow is innocent of any intention to give you offence. Innocent as the babe unborn, cried Humphrey. I see it plainly, exclaimed this implacable maiden. He acts by your direction, and you are resolved to support him in his impudence. This is a bad return for all the services I have done you, for nursing you in your sickness, managing your family, and keeping you from ruining yourself by your own imprudence. But now you shall part with that rascal or me upon the spot without farther loss of time, and the world shall see whether you have more regard for your own flesh and blood or for a beggarly foundling taken from the dunghill. Mr. Bramble's eyes began to glisten, and his teeth to chatter. If stated fairly, said he, raising his voice, the question is whether I have spirit to shake off an intolerable yoke by one effort of resolution, or meanness enough to do an act of cruelty and injustice to gratify the rancour of a capricious woman. Hark ye, Mistress Tabitha Bramble, I will now propose an alternative in my turn. Either discard your four-footed favourite, or give me leave to bid you eternally adieu, for I am determined that he and I shall live no longer under the same roof, and to dinner with what appetite you may. Thunderstruck at this declaration, she sat down in a corner, and after a pause of some minutes, Sure I don't understand you, Matt, said she, and yet I spoke in plain English answered the squire, with a peremptory look. "'Sir,' resumed this virago, effectually humbled, "'it is your prerogative to command, and my duty to obey. I can't dispose of the dog in this place, but if you'll allow him to go in the coach to London, I give you my word he shall never trouble you again.' Her brother, entirely disarmed by this mild reply, declared she could ask him nothing in reason that he would refuse, adding, I hope, sister, you have never found me deficient in natural affection. Mistress Tabitha immediately rose, and, throwing her arms about his neck, kissed him on the cheek. He returned her embrace with great emotion. Liddy sobbed, Wynne Jenkins cackled, Chowder capered, and Clinker skipped about, rubbing his hands for joy of this reconciliation. Concord being thus restored, we finished our meal with comfort, and in the evening arrived at London, without having met with any other adventure. My aunt seems to be much mended by the hint she received from her brother. She has been graciously pleased to remove her displeasure from Clinker, who is now retained as a footman, and in a day or two will make his appearance in a new suit of livery. 
but as he is little acquainted with london we have taken an occasional valet whom i intend hereafter to hire as my own servant we lodge in golden square at the house of one mistress notion a decent sort of woman who takes great pains to make us all easy my uncle proposes to make a circuit of all the remarkable scenes of this metropolis for the entertainment of his pupils but as both you and i are already acquainted with most of those he will visit and with some others he little dreams of i shall only communicate what will be in some measure new to your observation remember me to our jesuitical friends and believe me ever dear knight yours affectionately j melford london may twenty fourth End of section 31